think of the word algorithm and replace it with the word audience uh, because that's what YouTube is optimizing for. All right, Federico, what is happening this week? This week we're chatting with Trent Hare, who is part of the TBNR network, which has channels like Preston Place and is one of the biggest networks on YouTube. He's going to talk about how he came on as employee number one and now as the head of strategy looks over a network of over 40 million subscribers with billions and billions of views. Boom. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. All right. Welcome back to Creator Generation. This week we are joined by Trent Hare from TBNR. Trent, welcome. Thank you so much, man. I'm glad to be here. That introduction probably doesn't do you justice because people are like, who's Trent and what is TBNR? <laughs> Maybe you can do a way better job than me. So who are you and what, what, are you, what do you do? So I'm head of strategy for TBNR. Uh, we have the channels Preston, Preston Plays, and his wife Brianna and Brianna Plays as well. Um, across all of our channels, we have about 40 million subscribers and uh, 550 million monthly views. Um, obviously, Preston's been in the game for a minute. I feel like a lot of people are probably going to recognize that <laughs> name. Uh, if they don't currently watch us, they probably used to watch us or their little siblings watch us. Um, so as head of strategy, I'm doing a lot of the data and analytics in the back end work, um, general YouTube content strategy, best practices, helping train the team that we've built. Um, so started as employee number one as a video editor, and then now we have a team of about 30 or 40 across uh, the production and all the other companies <laughs> going on. So um, I help wrangle all of that and keep it all pointed forward and growing. It's amazing that those numbers are, are truly mind-blowing. I think anyone who just listens to that realizes that you have sometimes more viewership than entire you know, TV networks in some countries. Um <laughs> So it's pretty huge, and but you said you were you know employee number one um, and starting it as an editor. So let's like let's start with your background and then sort of build on from there. What happened from being employee number one? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so I got my degree in film and digital media from from Baylor University, uh, and so with that, I worked a lot of odd jobs. <laughs> um, as anyone with a film degree knows, you don't start in film right away unless you're a rock star. Um, props to all the baristas out there today. Um, <laughs> but we so started doing that freelance, did, a, did some freelance editing, um, doing commercial work, corporate work, interns running, making errand runs around Manhattan and New York for a period of time. And then delivering coffees and all of the good stuff that goes on with the start of a career in media, um, was actually working in after school care, uh, what, <laughs> I had had to wrangle about 75 kindergarten through fourth graders along, along with four staff and all the parents that go along with those kindergarten through fourth graders. Um, so while I was working in that job, a, a friend of mine just had a random job lead come across where he's like, hey, uh, there's someone in the YouTube space that's looking for a video editor and it's in gaming and I know you like to play video games. So I thought I would pass it your way. Uh, and Preston's name, TBNR's name wasn't on it anywhere. It was actually, I think, one of his cousins who was helping him run some production stuff at the time. And so I called and I got an interview and then found out it was TBNR Frags, which I wasn't super familiar with this content, but I definitely heard his name because he had played with Nate Shot and some other people back in the day. I was very much into the, the Call of Duty esports scene more so than I was Minecraft back then. Um, but I had heard the name and that's when it kind of clicked. And so from there, met with Preston, we had roughly a 30 minute interview of, Hey, can you edit? Yeah. All right, cool. What animes do you like? And that was the end of the conversation. <laughs> uh, so, you know, started from that. My first day, 
Uh, people see Preston now and they think, wow, he has all of these people. He has all these companies and these businesses and all these things that are happening. He's so well put together. He maintains a schedule. Uh, and on my first day of work, I had to go in and wake him up and ask him to record videos for me to edit. Uh, so that's where, uh, that was about five years ago. So he's made a lot of growth since then. Uh, nothing but props to him for where he is now. Um, but back then we had, I think we had just under 4 million combined subs, which five years ago is still a sizable brand. Um, it's still a sizable by today's standards. Um, but back then it was, I think, 3.6, and all we had was Minecraft and the Call of Duty channel. And then from that, we were posting three times a day, four times, two Minecraft and a, and a Call of Duty a day, and I was the, the sole editor, so that was, that was a party. Wow. And so, um, so, that was, so when, when you came on board, there was the two, the two channels, the, so it was the TBNR Frags mm-hmm. OG channel and... Mm-hmm. At, I guess at the time it would have been called Preston Plays. Was that yeah? Is that right? Like, uh, yeah, yeah. Which is now the which main is, Preston channel. Exactly. Exactly. The genesis of this, which is like the behemoth, sixteen plus million subscribers alone on that. Right, okay. Right. Cool. And did you know, like, YouTubers had editors when you like? <laughs> when I mean, you sort of saw mm, that job. Yes and no. I mean, I knew YouTubers had some editor. Like they had some editors around, but they weren't, no one was building a YouTube company back then. Um, and I think people just now in the past year or two are starting to catch on to building companies. So we've been uh, blessed to be one of the first people to do it. But back then, no, I knew I could potentially edit, but back then people were paying like $50 for an edit that took eight hours. So it wasn't really, you know, no one was looking at it from the business mindset as a media production agency and not just some dude in his closet playing Minecraft. So like, tell us about those early days with those two channels. Like I think you said you're you uploading three videos a day. Mm-hmm. I like, I, I looked at like an early vlog from Preston where he was like, Oh yeah. You know, he still looks young, but he's super young <laughs> Preston sort of going, um, he's, I guess he's still young. Like he's, you know, he's sub 30. He's 27. Just turned 27. Yeah. So like, you know, he's a, he's a young dude, but he's a, a, like a kid and he's like, oh, I'm going to do four videos a day on, on my Preston plays channel, which was his second channel. And I've got, uh, you know, two videos a day on TBNR frags and, you know, I'm going to do release them every two hours. It's like, um, like even it's like less play, let plays type gaming. How, how did what were you guys doing? What was that work sort of flow with you guys sort of creating all this gaming content and pumping, pumping it out? Like, <laughs> what were you, like that sounds insane. Yeah, it was definitely, it was definitely insane. You know, we have um, our edit squad now who they kill it and their edits are 10 times better than what I was doing back then. Uh, but they're like, man, I have, I only have two days for this one video. And I'm like, you child, you don't understand. <laughs> um, no, but it, it was definitely pure chaos. It was a lot of, I think within my first few weeks of being there, the reason he hired me was because he was going to a PAX event. And so he had to bulk record and bulk recording for us now looks a lot different because back then to bulk record, he needed to record, I don't know, 20 to 30 videos over the course of a couple of days and then leave them for me. Um, but day in, day out, it was a lot of, you know, here is this money wars or this call of duty gameplay. And it's, all I had time to do was go through, find the dead space, cut it out, cut out any repeats, you know, keep the story moving smoothly. And then 
maybe zoom in on the face cam a couple times, throw in a few tracks of music, maybe one or two meme edits, and then you just ship it out. And it's like, all right, well, I don't have time to perfect this. You know, that's something that I feel like a lot of editors struggle with. And maybe there are creators out there that struggle with that themselves, where they spend three days editing a video because every frame has to be perfect. Um, but that was a very good crash course for me on you don't have time to be perfect. You need to get this content out and you need to adjust on the fly as you go. Interesting. How did you, like at that time, did you, do you guys know what you were, like what you were aiming for or what, like what, like how did you know you were making videos that people wanted? <laughs> That's a great question. Uh, did you want, did you care? <laughs> we definitely cared. We tried to stay, it's not the same data-driven approach that's really common these days. I feel like Mr. Beast really revolutionized that um, along with, you know, I'm, there are too many people to name to give credit, so I'm not going to step on any toes in the community and just say everyone did a great job. Um, but it was definitely, we knew what the trends were in general, but they were also, it was much easier to please people back then. I feel like nowadays everyone, the average consumer on YouTube is a better YouTuber than creators were five years ago. Um, where it's back then Preston can load up with the pack. So Vicstar, Lachlan, uh, Jerome, Beijing Canadian, and Mr. Wuffles, and they could just load up, you know, have some type of a lucky block battle and record it for 30 minutes. I cut it down to maybe 20 minutes and then we upload it and that's fine. So we, we knew that we could post this and that it was well received. And then it was also, because back then there was a much larger focus on YouTuber groups, it was very easy to influence the trends as well. So if the pack was playing something, that's what everyone else uploaded, and then we were basically driving the demand and making the market. Um, whereas now there, any random YouTuber with a 1,000 subscribers can stumble upon a trend, and then the next thing you know, they're getting millions of views and everyone else is following that. So I feel like we definitely optimized and we knew kind of what people wanted to see in general. And I think we were unintentionally sticking to a niche because we saw this doing well. And if we deviated from it, it was, you know, slightly less views. Obviously, YouTube studios come a massive way in five years. So, you know, there was no three out of 10, four out of 10. It was see what the views are doing after a couple of days, I guess. <laughs> um, but, you know, it was it was definitely easier to, to set trends and kind of know like everyone was just doing these party games because that's all that was in Minecraft as well. You're also limited by the game itself back then. So, mm. you know, it's, I think between being able to collaborate across all of the biggest channels in the Minecraft space, and then also Minecraft only having a limited number of servers um, with custom content, it was very easy to figure out what people were doing because there's only so much they could do in Minecraft. As those games evolved and, and the creators started evolving, what, what came next then in terms of the growth for, um, for your network? Yeah, I would say really it became it became a bandwidth issue on my end because Preston had all of this now free time because I was doing all the editing. Uh, before I started, it was, it was him doing all the stuff that you see. When was I brought on? April of 2016 with a few test edits in March. Everything prior to that was all Preston by himself. So wow. any of that stuff you see, like that's all, that's where all of his time went. And so once he was able to bring me on it all of a sudden he became even more of a content fountain <laughs> and to keep that going with my bandwidth we brought on um, another editor named Levi who's now our head of post-production um, and from there it's just really grown into you know we have these channels we want to grow these Trent can't edit eight videos a day <laughs> to stay on top of everything let's get another editor 
Um, and then, you know, we began seeing new trends on the platform with, you know, Roblox starting to spring up and come to life. And then um, it very quickly became, you know, how do we get even more quality in addition to this massive quantity that we're doing? So with Roblox coming up, coming up and then needing an editor across that board, and then also with um, us wanting to dive deeper, it became like, how do we specialize editors? So whether it's me, who I've been doing everything across all the channels, to now, for a while, I was only focusing on the Call of Duty, and Levi had the Minecraft, and then another editor might have had Roblox. So it became very much like, how do we build this out? And then for a long time, for several years, it really was just Preston, and then a few editors, and then eventually uh, Nick Barberi, or SGC Barberi, and you'll have had him on the show, um, started making... Minecraft hide and seeks for us, which we're doing super well, um, which I'm sure that if y'all want to check out that story, it's on one of their videos on their channel. Go watch it. Um, (laughs) But we, but he was doing that for us. And then after a while, he just got tired of being in front of the camera and wanted to do more behind the scenes work. And so we brought him on to help us with creative. And so for a while, it was still just the gaming channels and now Nick to help with creative and find the trends and really optimize that. And then eventually came the, IRL pivot and with the IRL pivot came we need production people and then that leads to where we are today as a as a very condensed version but there's a lot to unpack there yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and there's and I kind of also want to flag there like Trent you you said it but it's like there's about five five or so years there where Preston's doing everything right yes. like yeah like that's you know like, I think that's also important for people to sort of flag and remember right like. Yep. It wasn't just like Preston just popped up overnight and hired Trent and off you guys go into the sunset to have right. 30, 40 employees and billions of views. <laughs> um, that's like five years of hard graft. Um, so, yeah, I think that's awesome, awesome to, you know, to reflect on and to sort of give credit where credit's due um, on that effort. But so like when – what was the trigger then? Obviously, there's a bandwidth issue, but – like five years ago, as you said, like the YouTube business wasn't really a well-known thing. Did you guys know at that stage you're onto something? Like you're growing something here, and um, or was it you know a couple of young dudes still having fun making rad gaming content? I think it was a little bit of both. I think we knew it was going to be something. I don't think we. I mean, Preston might have, but I. Speaking for myself, like I didn't know it was going to be this big. I knew it could grow and it was going to be sustainable. <laughs> And that Preston was different from the other creators just based on his work ethic alone. Um, you know, because like you said, it was five years of <laughs> like, by the time I was, I was brought on, he had essentially quote unquote made it on the YouTube platform. Like he's, you know, has a great income is buying stuff for his family. And like, that's all great. And he made that, but people don't see the 52 hour Moab live stream on modern warfare Two on Twitch. And, you know, they don't see him doing all this stuff unpaid for so many years. So um, just to call back to that, like, please under, please don't get into YouTube for the money off the bat because you're not going to make money off the bat. Uh, go look up Mr. Beast tweets. I think we had a tweet. Um, a lot of people have tweets that show total channel views at certain ages that they were. And it shows, you know, Jimmy from the ages of 16 to 20 had like, 50,000 views <laughs> and then all of a sudden he starts getting a little bit more momentum and then then it grows so that's where <laughs> you just have to be ready for that and be willing to put in the work and do do it because you're passionate about it and you love it and you want to make this great content and not 
because you want a paycheck. Um, but going back to your original question, I knew there was something there. I know originally talking to Preston, it was something that we had even discussed during my interview, starting a YouTube editing company, which is something that we see springing up now. So I knew his mindset was not just on making content. It was on how to grow businesses around it, which is also eventually what attracted Reed and Night Media and you know their whole mindset of building up businesses around creators in addition to just the brand flow. Um, so there's definitely there are definitely hints of it. There's definitely traces of it. Um, I wasn't sure it was going to grow to be this big, but I definitely knew that there was something under the surface that I wanted to be a part of. I think you had an epic crystal ball, if you could call <laughs> five years ago, that there would be a uh, scale of, of creators like you know, and the team that you guys have. That's um, pretty awesome. But yeah, yeah. What, at what size then did Levi let you go? How man, like what 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 was the growth from like you know? 3.6-ish million subscribers and, and then the two of you working on it to like, okay, we need more. Like, what does that look like? When do you, like, when do you feel you need to add that team member? Um, it was very quickly. I think it was maybe three or four months after that. It wasn't necessarily a, um, a certain amount of growth that we had hit. It was just, I stepped into it and Preston had so much more time to record that we were like, oh, we need to get some help. Um, and then also like, Preston's very good about always wanting to one-up himself and competing against himself and how do we double down on quality. So it, it became a, you know, if he slept in one of those days, which he, he never does, he never does anymore. But if there was ever a day where, um, you know, he slept in and there wasn't anything to edit, it was, you know, watch content. How do you get better? How do you do this? And then it got to the point where he was getting more and more on track with recording. So there was less and less time to spend the time researching and checking everything out and seeing what the platform's doing. So that's when we decided to bring on someone else and say, hey, now we're going to split this workload, but with the expectation of the quality is going to get that much better. And then, like, what was the, what's the next iteration for the channels? Or, or I, I guess you guys weren't calling yourself a network yet. Or, and like, when do you call yourself a network? I mean, is that a dirty word, I, I guess? I don't think network's a dirty word. We, I mean, we just call ourselves a, a YouTube company. I don't, cool. you know, just a, just a production company that makes YouTube videos and runs these channels. Love it. So what, what's the next progression then? Like, you, you know, there's creator, editors, and, you know, you guys are part of that creative process, obviously, because you, you, you're working on it so closely. But what, like, what's the next iteration for, for the channels or the, the company then? Like, when did you start looking beyond production i guess yeah so i would say once we we started i think we had started the real life at this point and mr beast had just started blowing up um and he was being represented by by reed with night media um, and so he was actually stopping in texas at the night media offices and he came by the offices um so we got to have a meeting with him uh before he was cool uh no so we, he stopped by and his, the way he... Who, Reed or Jimmy? Hang on. <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy. Sorry, sorry. I knew, I knew Jimmy before he was cool or as he was becoming cool. Um, no, he, but he, he loves his show, by the way. I, I, I've got to remind everyone every time we mention him, it, it's like, shout out to Jimmy because he does love the show. Um, good, anyway, good, sorry, good, good. Yeah, good, yeah. No, no worries. I'll talk about Jimmy all day. Um, so he, Jimmy stopped by the office and was really talking us through analytics. It was something that we had never really seen or known about. Like we kind of knew they were there, but didn't know how to utilize it. Um, 
So hearing him come in, just chatting with him about how he looks at click-through rate, how he looks at AVD, why these things are important, why they matter to YouTube, why this works with the algorithm. It was the first time it wasn't one of those, here's how you beat the algorithm. It was, this is literally what the algorithm is, and here you go, and if you're doing this, then YouTube's going to do this, and here's why. And that just opened our eyes of, it's that easy, quote-unquote. It's that easy, as easy as, it, <laughs> as, easy as you want to call that. Um, but it was that, it was that simple maybe is a better way to, to phrase that. And so he was the first one that opened our eyes to that. And so at that point I had moved from being an editor to a content manager. So basically what I am now, but a light version, (laughs) um, just learning and figuring out, you know, how to plan content titles, thumbnails, that kind of stuff. And so hearing all this was a very, was a huge driving force because it's very easy to put yourself in a vacuum, but looking at the data and you know exactly like, hey, our CTR is this, and you can kind of justify why it might be low or higher, but at the end of the day, if it's low, it's low, and this is what we need to fix. Either the audience isn't interested or we didn't present it well enough. Um, The next expansion of our team and the next expansion of our abilities and growth overall was really just diving into the data and looking at what's working, what's not working, and optimizing from there, and not just optimizing based on a gut feeling or what the comments were saying, even though those can be helpful signals and flags at times, it was really looking at the bigger picture of like the true data that YouTube was able to start providing. Because I think when, when Jimmy stopped by the office, I think is when CTR had, it had only been around for, for a little while. It hadn't, it was a relatively new statistic that was usable by, by every creator. Let's step into that conversation briefly, at least the, the, the cliff notes of it. And, and on like, what, what was it that, that Jimmy, Mr. B said to you guys that made it so simple to understand or so clear that the light bulb went off and you guys started heading down that, that road. The cliff note version of what Jimmy said is something that I've, I've said before, um, that I, I learned from, I think it was from, from Todd, the head of search and discovery at YouTube. So I feel like he's a fairly trusted source on how the algorithm works, um, was where he, he said, and he said it before, uh, to think of the word audience and re- or think of the word algorithm and replace it with the word audience uh, because that's what YouTube is optimizing for. Uh, ultimately, at the end of the day, YouTube is a business. And so the way they make their money is by having people stay on the platform. And so why do they stay on the platform? It's, be- it's not because they're getting clickbaited. It's not because that it's not because they're being forced and it's really hard to close the program so you can't get out of it so they stay there. It's because they're satisfied and want to watch more. And so YouTube then is looking at, well, how do we know an audience is satisfied? What signals are good indicators of that? And that's where click-through rate and average view duration and the retention ultimately comes into play. And so I think that's what, that's the root of what Jimmy was saying. And I think that's what, that's the root of what I'm trying to teach the team here every day. Cause it's not, it's not something you learn once. And then all of a sudden every single video is perfect. It's, you still catch yourself falling into things that you think are creative, but really they aren't they aren't fully optimized for audience satisfaction of, you know, for the simple thing of, Hey, you have a title and thumbnail deliver on it within the first 30 seconds. Don't make them wait for the end of the video. Don't, you know, if you're saying you're going to, what's a video that we did recently, you know, if we have making every Minecraft weapon in real life, don't just show them building up to every single Minecraft weapon until the, the 13th minute. And then we have a sword. It's, you know, Hey guys, we're making this and Preston's already holding a sword. And it's like, Oh, oh, he made it. Oh, I, I clicked on this. I, I'm going to watch and see how this happened. Um, so I think it's as long as you are delivering on audience expectation, I think you 
you're going to see everything that you need to see from the algorithm because the algorithm is just the audience. All it, the algorithm just finds the people that want to watch your content based on their watch history. And then whether or not it gets pushed out to more isn't because the algorithm hates you. It's just because your audience wasn't satisfied and you need to make better content. I'm just going to add something there. I think that that's super, super well explained. Um, and it does, we see it all the time because we've got so many different creators. Um, is the obsession with, you know, what's the algorithm doing? What do I need to do to make it happen? It's like, almost like thinking of it like um, a nemesis or, or something <laughs> yeah, yeah, they've yeah. got to sort of try and figure out to get, the, the, to get around when really, mm-hmm. like you said, it is literally following what the audience is, what the audience behavior is and wanting to give them more of that. Um, and I think also the trap people fall into is when it comes to the algorithm, they follow a lot of procedural-based things. They look for like formulas. They're like if someone's, mm-hmm. oh, just, you know, make a good thumbnail, you know, good title, and then they think that's going to get them all the you know all the views and all the retention. But then the videos just don't get anywhere. But it it is about that element of satisfaction, isn't it? Which is a lot harder to to conceptualize. It's a lot harder to say right. this is what you do to keep people you know super entertained for a video. Right, and also what creators need to remember is the topic they're choosing. They could have the best CTR and retention in the world. I listen. If you want to watch horses get their hair cut, like that's going to be a much smaller audience than Minecraft. So just understand that the topic you're choosing. Are you sure? You might. Uh, maybe. <laughs> I haven't done the research. You know, put an asterisk by it. I'm not sure, but you know, you know, horse equine barbers probably. You know, if you get 300 views on that, you might have maxed out the entire audience on YouTube, uh, and that's why Minecraft videos are getting 15 million views and you're not. Um, so I think that's just. You have to keep topic in mind in addition to everything else. That's a really good point because, yeah, bang on. Like, there is a ceiling to specific audiences and topic, right? Like, you might be interested in it, but there's only so many people who, who are interested in, I don't know, snail maintenance um, <laughs> sure. after a pet snail, right? Like, there'll be, there'll be right. people, but, yeah, there's more people definitely playing Minecraft. And there might be even more people uh, looking to groom the mane of their horses. I'm not sure, but um, sure. interesting niche anyway. Someone could take that. Um, my kids would love it. But anyway, that's a random segue. So, um, yeah, and what you brought up also makes it quite some quite harsh reality for some people if they're saying, like, why does the algorithm hate me? And if you, you're going to um, replace that with audience, like, that's a tough question yeah. to ask yourself, right? Like, why, why does your audience hate you? Maybe you should satisfy them. <laughs> Come on, figure Ooh. it out. Yeah, that's a <laughs> it's hard, tough love, right? but that's how you grow. Yeah. I, yeah, I think that's, you know, maybe people don't want to ask that question of themselves, right? It's easier to deflect that to a an all-knowing, all-seeing computer matrix type <laughs> sure. numbers and zeros and ones and stuff than it is to like a human at the other end. So I think right. it's, a, yeah, it's a, it's a great, great point. Alrighty, there's more to come on this because it is such a mega topic and an interesting chat. We have split this into two. So stick around for part two next week where we go deep on Preston's channel going stratospheric. Create a generation on the mic.